You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Woo, we got a good one this weekend. We got four NFL games that are, I hope, better than the handful that we got last weekend. And I was pumped about those. But I'm thinking we got some tight ones, some tough ones to predict. And we've certainly got some really, really good quarterback play to break down. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, with everything you need to know about the divisional round NFL games. We've got this Saturday and Sunday. We've got guests to cover pretty much all the teams. Bill Barnwell going to give us all the goodies that we need to know. Fitz, uh, do we have a plan for this weekend? Your couch, lots of booze, your Raiders are out, so you won't be you know, superstitious about anything. What's on deck? Yeah, I, I'm a little surprised. I don't know what to do with myself when I'm when I don't have to stand the whole time. I have to, you know, I have to do a little work tomorrow. Got a countdown to College Game Day, the basketball show, uh, doing that tomorrow, and then getting everybody ready with the uh, digital NFL weekend preview show, also. So all over the digital fronts. But by the yeah. time it's done, I think the goal is to order an uncomfortable amount of pizzas and sit on my couch and not move for <laughs> like it. 36 hours. All cheese, of course, because I'm not a savage, but an uncomfortable amount of pizzas. He's Fitz. I'm Spain. It's Spain and Fitz. ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Of the two of us, one of us has had a little more practice knowing what to do with themselves when their team is not playing a meaningful game. Uh, I've I've also got a, a, a weekend full of an uncomfortable amount of, of food and couch ahead of me. Let's get into the first game that we're going to see this, this weekend, and that's Saturday's 4.30 Eastern Bengals at Titans game. And you and I talked about this yesterday. A lot of mystery around this Titans team because they haven't been hyped as much as a lot of other squads because they don't have the sexy guys. Once Derrick Henry went out, we weren't marveling over the workload he was getting and the runs he was putting up. We sort of just let them fade a little bit. And despite being the number one pick, it feels like some people are not as high on the Titans as they probably should be based on the fact that Fitz, this team has beaten all four of the teams left in the postseason. Yeah, there's so little love happening right now for the Titans in general. And, you know, as a brand, and I've had this conversation uh, on 102.5 several times in uh, Nashville about the fact that as a brand, the Titans just don't rate the same way. I mean, you can look at last weekend's TV ratings and see why everybody talks about the Cowboys because everybody watches the Cowboys. Like, that's not real for the Titans. So I think for a lot of people, this is a team that they still don't know a lot about. The interesting part to me is that we've become so obsessed with the concept of Derrick Henry coming back, which is huge for this game. But I'm looking at Ryan Tannehill, who over the last three weeks of the regular season had the, the what, the best QBR over the final three weeks of the season? Third best mm-hmm. completion percentage? I mean, he was Third playing best lights QBR. out. Third, Third best, best QBR. QBR. 79.4. Yeah, and then seven touchdowns, no picks. Yeah, and so you're talking about him and Joe Burrow, who over the last three weeks also just didn't seem to uh, drop a pass. Like, everything was complete everywhere they went. I'm looking at quarterbacks and saying maybe we should be focused a little bit on how they'll play in this game instead of just Derrick Henry. Yeah, you you talk about Derrick Henry a lot for obvious reasons. This is a guy that can take over a game. But Bill Barnwell, a couple weeks ago, as we were talking about the potential that he might return to this team, did mention that while he got a big workload, which allowed him to put up big total numbers, his efficiency, his yards per carry, was actually reduced and not nearly as effective as before. And so I think if you pull the lens out a little farther to see how this team has succeeded, you'll notice that they've run quite well without him. And Harry Douglas talked about this on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, that this is, despite who's been in and out, this has really been Vrabel figuring out how to use who he's got available. The way they play is the attitude of Mike Vrabel, right? Tough-minded, physical, we're not going to make up excuses. You see him out there at practice, one-on-one with guys, 
uh, getting them to, 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 to work on their pad level and hand placement, these hands-on. And he's going to keep it real with them. And, 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 Key, you know this as a player. Jay, you know this playing in, in the NBA. We respect people who keep it real with us. It might not always be what we want to hear, but if people who can keep it real with us, you can respect a person like that any and every day. But for him to, to, to have the injuries that this team had and still weather that storm and put them in the position to have the number one seed. Now, granted, the players got to go out there and play and get it done too. But it all starts at the top. It starts with your leader. Mike Vrabel was a hell of one. And Fitz, it's not just success despite injury or a good record. It's success in really meaningful ways. They had a couple duds, but as I mentioned, 4-0 against teams remaining in the postseason. Uh, this, you know, this is Bills, Rams, Niners, good teams that they're beating, uh, and they could build on that as they start their postseason run. I still think the biggest point here is going to be about turnovers because the Raiders' defense doesn't force turnovers, but they were hopeful to force Joe Burrow to be uncomfortable. If the Titans can force Joe Burrow to be uncomfortable, the question is can their defense, which is much better at creating turnovers, get a turnover in this football game? I think it's the key to the whole thing. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Yeah, the Bengals O-line held up pretty well against Max Crosby and the Raiders, but the Titans have gotten 35 sacks, 153 QB pressures with a four-man rush. Both of those are second in the NFL. They've only had to blitz on 18% of their rushes this season, and they've still been able to really put a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Joe Burrow's QBR drops a ton. He's third against the blitz this season, but 20th when pressured so this is a guy that doesn't do well when you can just use front four against him and that's going to help a lot with the way the titans want to take on this team and and i do think that the the attention that the Bengals are going to have to give henry even if he isn't super effective will help the uh will will help the titans as well even if he doesn't have to do much they just have to pay enough attention to make sure he doesn't kill them and that could help with their play actually the titans have not been super effective in stopping play action that's something ryan Tannehill and the titans love so that's the first game. We'll make our picks on the games later. you got to stick around for that. But let's talk about the second game. 8-15 Eastern, we've got Niners at Packers. A lot of people saying this could be the primest game for an upset. And Damian Woody was on Barton Hahn talking about just that. I want to say Green Bay is on upset alert. Bart, we talked about it. Those, those, you know, those bullies, those bullies out, in, out in San Fran, the Bay Area, their style of football travels. It travels. And... The way they're able to run the ball and kind of dictate the terms, I think their whole thing is we want to run the ball and we want to limit our exposure with Jimmy G. We saw what happened with Jimmy G towards the end of that Dallas game. Mm -hmm. He had the turnovers, and then Kyle Shanahan said, screw all this, let's get back to running the football. (laughs) So I just think that Green Bay better buckle their chin straps because, man, them boys coming, they coming, they coming hard right downhill you know, in the running game. Fitz, we know it's a difficult matchup. We know that the Niners have the run game and the physical defensive front to make this a game, but will they actually win it? Yeah, that's that's the hardest part is that, you know, the matchup-wise looks like it. And I said the other day, the motion that's done before snap, I think, is part of what makes it so creative when San Francisco yeah. runs the football. But you go back and you look at it and say, okay, but this is a Green Bay defense that at times is held up really well against the rush. So what's all that mean moving forward? The thing that stunned me today was as we were prepping for the Monday or for the digital show we're doing this weekend, just seeing the weather is expected to be a negative 10 degree wind chill by the time this game kicks off. Like that just feels like it is going to hurt 
every time you're tackled. So I, I genuinely wonder how that will play into a run game that is trying to be explosive. But how can you be explosive when everything in you hurts every time you touch the football? I, I, the, the curious part of this is will that will the motion create mistakes by Green Bay? I don't think it will at this point. Well, and I think that works both ways. It hurts to get hit. It also hurts to hit and makes it more difficult to tackle. So if you, if someone gets out of your grasp on a tackle and can get yards after catch or can really, uh, you know, beat beat the first tackle, first contact, and get a big runoff, that could be really tough for the Packers. You mentioned their run defense. Now, in total allowed yards, they look like a successful team, but that's because most teams have not tried to run on them. When they have, they've actually been really effective. The Packers allowed the third most yards per rush this season and the second most yards before contact per rush. This is why this is a bad matchup for them. This is going to be very important for the 49ers, just like last week. Start fast, establish the run early because they're not going to be a good comeback team in the cold with Jimmy G, who's got a thumb and a shoulder injury. We'll get more into that one a little bit later. ESPN Raiders presented by Progressive Insurance. You could say big when you buy Bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up, last season's two Super Bowl participants play very different challenges for both squads. We'll talk about it next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. It's a weekend stacked with NFL action you can't miss. And just when you think Saturday is going to take all of it out of you, you might as well just order a bunch more pizza, go for round two, because <laughs> Sunday is even Better. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm not sure that I can order too much, but like maybe I go two different pizza places. I don't know, like Pizza mm. Saturday, little different. Pizza Wars. Little maybe. Pizza Wars. Get a couple, decide for yourself, compete with yourself on which you like the best. It's either that or ordering like cheap, greasy Chinese food from somewhere, but I haven't ruled that out for tonight. Like this whole weekend is just going to be, <laughs> my God, I'm going to look like Jabba the Hutt by the time we finish this stuff. On Sunday, though, we start with the the Rams taking on the Buccaneers. That's the first matchup. And it raises a lot of questions that we've been talking about all week with health because health is such a huge part of this. In fact, Lewis Riddick, Monday Night Football Analyst, was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max and talked about the Bucs and their offensive line injuries and what it could mean to this game. Seriously concerned. Look, Tristan Wurst is an all-pro. Tristan Wurst, right tackle. Ryan Jensen, their starting center, is someone that uh, Tom Brady says is you know, as good as he's played with and someone who he really does have a lot of confidence in and really feels as though he sets the tone as far as toughness on the offensive line. Now, if the Buccaneers are behind in that game at any point in time and the Rams can tee off with pass rush, you know they got two Hall of Fame pass rushers, plus they got another kid who in Leonard Floyd right now is as good as any edge pass rusher in the NFL. So they got three guys that can absolutely wreck your quarterback. And you saw what happened in the Philadelphia game when Tristan Wurst went out, right? You saw what Ryan Kerrigan was doing to their backup right tackle, coming off of Tom's throwing arm side. He was killing him. He was throwing him on the ground every play. What do you think Von Miller's going to do to him? What do you think Aaron Donald's going to do to the interior of this offensive line if there's any kind of miscommunication because Ryan Jensen's not there or he's hobbled on that ankle? It raises an interesting conversation, too, because I know week three was a long time ago, but the Bucks were pressured on 20, 27% of their dropbacks in week three when they took on this Rams team. That was the highest they allowed all season. And now the Rams arguably are even better on the defensive line. So this becomes a huge point of concern. Yeah. Yeah, to your point, they've especially uh, benefited from adding Von Miller there. Since week 10, which was his first game with them, they've gotten up to sixth in the NFL in pressure rate without blitzing. We know that that is the book on Tom Brady. Can you get pressure without blitzing? And with the injuries to Jensen and Wirfs, that's a big deal. Now, both of those guys were back in practice 
The question is, how effective can they be? What percent of Wirfs and Jensen are you getting? I agree that it is a big concern. I agree that health is a massive part of this. But I do think there's a little bit of recency bias in the way we're all looking at the Rams. Cam Akers was spectacular. He and Sony Michelle are great together. You know, Stafford only had to attempt 17 passes against the Cardinals. But the Cardinals are not a good run defense team. Going against a Bucks team that's been very effective stopping the run. I think we're a little high on the Rams from the couple weeks we've seen them look really good. And we're forgetting some of the inconsistencies, particularly from Stafford, and some of the questions we had about whether this was a collection of talent instead of an effective team. And that's what I'm hearing a lot of people get real high on the Rams versus the Bucks And Brady, who, by the way, is 14-2 in divisional round games. Mm. Mm, oh, what do you He's say won that? nine just, straight. The last time he gross. lost a divisional round game was in 2010. I, that, just that's just gross. All it's of that. Gross. I, I mean, it's gross. But, People are forgetting it somehow though, because they just watched the Rams dismantle the Cardinals. Well, and what we can't forget is that this is a Rams defense that their secondary was obviously banged up, and they they put in Eric Weddle last week on five days you know mm-hmm. notice. I, I wonder, and that held up for him fine against the Cardinals, but. I'm not sure. The question becomes, can the offensive line hold up long enough for Brady to push the ball downfield? Because that's what he likes to do, and it feels like there are going to be opportunities downfield. If Brady can at all stay upright, that should be a secondary that his offensive weapons can take advantage of. So I kind of look at all of this and say, okay, if Brady, by chance or by design, if they can keep him upright, even for that extra split second, this could turn into a long day for the Rams. Yeah, I mean, I think there's reason to believe that the Rams defense will be really effective and that this will be a close game. I do think, you know, there is uh, there's there's questions about health in their inside linebackers. They're limited in the backfield. So it's not as simple as just saying the Bucks O-line is a liability. Therefore, the Rams blow this one up. There's a lot more to this matchup. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And we'll, of course, later in the show, give you our picks. I mean, we got to keep things uh, spicy around here. Let's yeah. go. Uh, but in the Jeez. meantime, maybe they've saved the best game for last, depending on who you ask. You got Bills taking on the Chiefs in Kansas City Sunday night. 6.30 p.m. Eastern in a game that I feel like has all the hype in the world, largely because, to your point of recency bias, we just watched the Bills do nasty <laughs> things to the Patriots, and nobody does that to Bill Belichick. So it feels like the hype train has shot out like a rocket ship at this point for the Bills, and we have gotten to the point that it's almost like we're not even giving the Chiefs any credit at this. <laughs> yeah, it's actually both, though. I mean, it's hilarious to look at the stat line from Mahomes last weekend and be like, nah, it wasn't that great. Did you see Josh Allen? Because it was like, you know, 400-plus yards, touchdowns. I mean, they were incredibly effective as well. It was just against an inferior opponent. They struggled at the beginning, and they made some mistakes. Now, that's the interesting angle for me. Mahomes has been better about turnovers. He has been better about taking what the defense is giving him. Despite the fact you're probably still going to see a lot of too high safeties, you're going to see a lot of what you saw in week five against the Bills. They've handled it better as the season has gone on. We've seen Mahomes at offense figure out how to take what they're seeing on the field. But the other side of the ball might be more interesting, Fitz, because the Chiefs' pass rush is the thing that's going to look the most different to me than their Week 5 matchup. Melvin Ingram now on on the Chiefs. Chris Jones is there. You've got guys that are going to do a much better job of getting to the quarterback than what we saw in that first meeting. 
and and that was Allen not quite doing what he did last weekend, but still 315 yards passing, three touchdowns, 139.1 passer rating, rushing for 59 yards and a touchdown. Like he was huge in their win over the Chiefs the first time they met. You could expect him to be great again, but it'll be events against a very different looking pass rush. Yeah, and that I think that's a really important point because we kept saying that you can't just flip the switch, but it feels like Kansas City did just flip the switch at some point in the season. And yes. They have a a loss to Cincinnati in there. But for the most part, I feel like the Chiefs have been able to sort of right the ship of everything we thought they'd be coming into the season. Now, Damian Woody, ESPN NFL analyst, made it clear that he believes that there is no mental advantage here. Doesn't think the Bills have any fear of the Chiefs. Josh Allen is probably feeling like, this is my time. This is my time right now. You know, they beat in the regular season the Kansas City Chiefs in, 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 you know, in Arrowhead. So they're not afraid of going out there and playing, going head-to-head with the Kansas City Chiefs. And all I got to do is just go back to last week. I mean, we're talking about one of the top defenses in the National Football League and the New England Patriots. And all Josh Allen and that Bills offense did was score a touchdown on seven consecutive drives. Not one punt, not one field goal, seven consecutive mm touchdowns that is just ridiculous so these guys feel like they have all the momentum going into arrowhead stadium yeah but the hard part about that is the very last thing that damien said was going in to arrowhead stadium mm-hmm. spain and fitz sarah spain jason fitz like i don't think we can ignore what a difference and and we saw this a little bit for cincinnati we saw this a little bit for buffalo like was well, sometimes when you've got that crowd just rolling like i i do believe that it makes a difference and now you're going to have a Kansas City team that you're walking into Arrowhead that's a much different vibe I said last week going into last weekend that you had to survive the first 10 minutes I would apply that same standard to teams that are now on the road that weren't on the road last weekend including the Bills they're going to have to survive 10 minutes I completely agree with you, and I think there's been a lot of talk about the Bills not being afraid of the Chiefs, but there is an element of pressure, right? You're going in, and of course, Mahomes and the Chiefs have owned the AFC, so they're going to come in with a lot of confidence, but a lot of people are putting it on the Bills to have to come in and deal with the pressure of trying to unseat them, for Josh Allen to deal with the pressure of needing to make it further than before, because Mahomes and the Chiefs already have their Super Bowl, back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. I'm not sure where that meets out that that idea of who has more pressure on them but I do think you can walk in with confidence as a Bills team that not only has the offense we saw last week but a defense that finished the regular season ranked first right they're coming in with the tools to win the game and without that glaring weakness to worry about which obviously will give them a ton of confidence even on the road both of these quarterbacks have had inconsistent issues so we'll see which one plays the most consistent this weekend coming up we'll ask a Chiefs Hall of Famer for her for his perspective next Spain and Fitz God, I wish they had a female Hall of Famer Spain and Fitz the podcast I started on cleanup just like you guys but now see I'm washing lettuce soon I'll be on fries then the grill a year or two I make assistant manager and that's where the big bucks start rolling in. Just two years, eh? <laughs> Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. little tip of the hat to Louis Anderson. Uh, passed away today at the age of 68. Our thoughts go out to his uh, family and friends. Sarah, uh, big influ- you, you and I are both big comedy fans, and obviously mm-hmm. he was somebody that was in a lot of movies that were influences for us. Yeah, Coming to America was huge, and I love the stories from Eddie Murphy and uh, and the rest of that cast about how they told him, you got to put a white person in, and they were like, you know what? We like this guy, Louie. He's a good dude. We'll throw him in. And uh, uh, he was really beloved by a lot, of, a lot of folks in the industry, so R.I.P. to Louie Anderson. 
little tip of the hat there to Louie. All right, let's get into this weekend's games as we've been talking about it all day so far. One of the biggest ones, one of the highlights, one of the ones everybody's the most excited about is the Bills heading into Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. So let's get some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, and we'll get that from a Chiefs Hall of Famer. Tim Grunhard joins us. You can check him out on Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Tim, thanks for the time. What's the environment like right now, the level of excitement in Kansas City for a team that's been this far so many times in a row? Well, Sarah and Jason, it's uh, great to be on with you guys. And, yeah, we're pretty excited. If we could stay warm here in Kansas City, it's (laughs) pretty cold, but uh, it's supposed to warm up a little bit for the game and be in the 30s. But, yeah, people are very, very excited. I think they're a little apprehensive as the uh, Buffalo Bills took it to the Chiefs at home in October here and, uh, really did a great job of moving the ball. And Josh Allen, <laughs> he looked really, really good against the Chiefs. So I think there's a little bit of apprehension uh, with this team coming in. But uh, the Chief fans are excited. They're happy it's here in Kansas City. And, and uh, yeah, they're trying to make a run for three straight Super Bowls, which would be pretty much unprecedented. It is a f- strange position to be in, to have it be a massive game and have it feel weird to have any question whatsoever about whether you'll win, to have doubt in your mind. Because even though the Chiefs had some struggles this season, in all of the big games the last couple years, it's been all about Mahomes is a god, this team is unstoppable. How strange is it this week for people to sort of be talking about who'd you rather have? Oh, I'd rather have Josh Allen. Did you see last week? Like, it just feels odd for people to be not considering Mahomes and the Chiefs a big favorite for once. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, listen, when you when you come in uh, to Arrowhead like Buffalo did in October and beat them, uh, you know, there's always that feeling that, hey, they can do it again. I mean, you know, that's always part of that home field advantage here in Kansas City that uh, teams come in here and they're a little intimidated by the by the crowd and, and the Chiefs play so well here, but they came in and won the game. And, yeah, as far as Patrick Mahomes, he always seems to uh, play well in the big game, so we expect him to play well again this week. And, and I love it. I love that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are being mentioned in the same breath. I think it's a great rivalry that's going to be unbelievable for football for the next, hopefully, 10 years or so. Uh, both are great quarterbacks. Both are the heart and soul of their teams. Both are the undisputed leaders in that locker room. And uh, listening to Mitch Morris, who was a good buddy of mine uh, in, uh, in Buffalo, saying that, hey, we'd run through a wall for that guy. And uh, they said, well, you know, why, why would you guys do that? Because he'd run through a wall for us. And I think you see a lot of that here also in Kansas City with just the guys that just love Patrick Mahomes. So, listen, you know, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are a great matchup. This is becoming the rivalry in the AFC. Uh, Buffalo and Kansas City, they've met each other the last couple years now in in, in the playoffs. Uh, They seem to play all the time in the regular season. This is the, uh, gosh, I think I had it written down, the 52nd time that the Chiefs and, and Buffalo have played. And Buffalo is... 127 uh, of those uh, of those of those uh, 52 games. Uh, so it's 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 a great it's a great rivalry that's budding here between two of the best quarterbacks in the league. We're talking to Tim Grunhardt on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. He's a Chiefs Hall of Famer. You can check him out. Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. So Tim, what's the one matchup that you think is most important for the Chiefs to win in order to win this game? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, listen, Josh Allen and his plus-one running game is really, really tough to handle. What do you do? Do you put a spy in and you watch Josh Allen? Josh Allen is such a big, strong guy, and he doesn't look like he's that dual-threat running back when you look at him. But the next thing you know, he's eight, ten yards down the field and running people over. I think he 
uh, has half or maybe even a little bit more than half of his yards of yards after contact this year. He just doesn't come down with that first tackle. And uh, they do a great job of designing those plus one runs for him. So the key is, what do you do? Do you put a, a spy? Do you take one of your linebackers and you say, okay, listen, you're going to stay in the middle of the field and take a, and watch what Josh Allen does. And when he, when he get, goes out of the pocket, you know, mirror him and go get him. Uh, if you do that, then you got to worry about Diggs. you got to worry about Sanders. you got to worry about Knox. So I think the big matchup is how do you handle with the safeties and linebackers Josh Allen's running game? Now, listen, I think one of the things that Staggs is going to do is he's going to get these guys on their keys. And, you know, one of the things that you see a ton from Buffalo is when they get into empty, a lot of times that's a run. With a lot of teams and you see the quarterback getting into empty formations or, or, or just, you know, no running backs, obviously, in the backfield that they're throwing. They're trying to get the ball out. But the, the Buffalo Bills do a really good job of running the ball out of that formation. So, you know, the key is they got to look for A, number one, is look for the formation. B, those guards in the counter and power game, the counter and power plus one running game that, that Josh Allen runs is, is very, very good. You're pulling a guard, and then you're taking either a tight end or taking a running back, and you're leading through the hole with him. And and, uh, Josh Allen does a great job with patience. He does a great job of setting blocks. And he does a really good job of of, of dictating the action to the defense. But in saying that, what I think the Chiefs are going to try to do, I hope that they don't put a spy in there because now you're taking one guy out of the coverage, and you don't want to get into that game at Arrowhead. You just have to have your your safeties – and your linebackers with soft eyes. Believe what you're seeing. You know, uh, be prepared for uh, uh, him to tuck and, and, and run the ball and go up there, and you got to make a good tackle. So Josh Allen is the key. If you stop Josh Allen or you put Josh Allen in a position where there's somebody there to fill on the run, uh, uh, especially when he's scrambling with a pass and all of a sudden wants to tuck it and run, uh, if you can get a guy up there in that position, what he likes to do or what he's tended to do, is throw the ball away or throw the ball to the other team. He, his interceptions this year, I think he only has 15 of them, but I would say 10 or 11 of them are just – he was just trying to force the ball down the field because he was going to tuck and run, and he, you know, and he saw that he didn't have anything there, and he tried to force something down the field. So that's what the Chiefs have got to do. They've got to be a, do a good job of being uh, – um, with the gap integrity of their defense, understand their keys, and when Josh Allen's going to run, they've got to be there and take him away from that running game. And maybe that's showing him some pre-snap stuff with cover two and rotating into cover three, or maybe doing some other things with some blitz packages, but they've got to be cognizant of Josh Allen. Tim Grudhard, Chiefs Hall of Famer, also a host of Sports Radio 810 WHB and KC, with us here on Spain and Fitz. Let's go to the other side of the ball. We know that the Chiefs' defense evolved, or offense, I should say, evolved a lot over the season. Mahomes started taking what defenses were giving him. They started reacting to getting those two high safeties a lot of the time. Uh, when you look at the balance that's required uh, from this offense, you see how much Jarek McKinnon had to do last time uh, they, they played. What are the expectations for McKinnon this week? What are the expectations for Clyde Edwards? Hilaire and how they're going to use that run game. Yeah, I think you're going to see Clyde a little bit, but I think McKinnon's going to get the bulk of the snaps, and especially in third down situations. One of the things that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's, he's a nice running back, and he's really come a long way, but he's struggled in pass protection. So, uh, especially in third down situations, I think you're going to see McKinnon in there, but I also think you're going to see him uh, in first and second down run situations also. But the one thing that uh, uh, the McKinnon brought last week that Andy Reid loves to do, and just, the Chiefs have just struggled with this this year, which is really unusual, is their screen game. 
Um, Andy Reid is famous for running the screens. When he was at the Eagles, I mean, the, the, the screen packages that he put in were legendary, and they just haven't done it that well this year. So McKenna brought some of that back last week. Yeah, so but listen, in October, October 10th, when I think they played uh, Buffalo last time, <clears throat> that was kind of the turning point for the Chiefs in the season. Uh, they realized that, you know, we, we, and this is Patrick Mahomes basically realized that I can't just force the ball down the field. I've got to start taking what the defenses are giving me. And um, he struggled in that game by trying to make plays down the field, trying to force things uh, where, they, where they just didn't fit. He threw a pick six. He threw another interception in the red zone. And uh, I think he had three turnovers in that game. And you can't, you just, you just can't do that against Buffalo. It's just too, just too good. So Patrick Mahomes, I think, has made the adjustments. And it's funny because you bring up this cover two shell, and, and people have been doing that against the Chiefs pretty consistently. But last week, early in the game, the Steelers decided, hey, we're going to show you cover two, but we're going to rotate up into a blitz package. And they did a heck of a job of getting after Patrick Mahomes early. Patrick was pressured, I blitzed, I think, 11 times in the first half. Uh, and I think he was two of seven and was sacked twice. So, you know, the, the Steelers got to him. And, you know, so the Chiefs just aren't used to seeing a lot of blitzes because teams just are afraid to do that. So the interesting thing to see, well, Will Frazier decide, hey, listen, I saw what the Steelers did, and they caused some issues with the Chiefs early. Do we get out of that cover, too? and bring some pressure on Patrick Mahomes, or do we stay in the cover two and believe that we're going to keep everything in front of us and make Patrick make mistakes? The key is that Patrick hasn't been making those mistakes in the last six or seven games against that cover two shell. He's been taking what's given to him. When you got guys like Tyree Kill and you got guys like Travis Kelsey and you got guys like McKinnon and when Williams, when he's healthy, uh, getting the ball in space, they're, they've been they've been hurting defenses. So that that's that's the chess game. What do you do? Do you stay with what you think is going to work or do you look and see what happened last week? Because when Pittsburgh went back to that cover two stuff, uh, the chiefs were able to take advantage of it and uh, they made some plays. I think he was, uh, Patrick was four or five on the deep ball uh, last week uh, for 111 yards because uh, you know, they, they had him kind of in a state of limbo on the defensive back from the defensive back end. You guys can follow him on Twitter at Grunny61. Listen to him on Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Tim, thanks for the insight, my friend. We appreciate you. And it's going to be a great game, guys. Enjoy the sure weekend. Is. I can't wait to watch this great football. You too. Tim Grunhard there, Chiefs Hall of Famer, giving us the straight talk, straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. All right, coming up, the 49ers getting healthy. Will it be enough to pull off another upset? We'll get an answer from an expert. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. We mentioned the death of Louis Anderson Meatloaf, also dead today at the age of 74. RIP to Meatloaf. Shout out to my friend Paul Natonic, who crushed that song at karaoke going on 15 plus years now and even sang it to his bride on their wedding, uh, which was an <laughs> epic performance. Microphone flipping down on your knees, screaming at the sky. Uh, shout out to Paul, RIP to Meatloaf. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We continue to preview a great, spectacular, please don't let us down, no blowouts weekend of divisional round football. Let's head out to San Francisco where KNBR's John Lund joins us to talk 49ers. John, thanks for coming on. 
No problem. I've got a tear in my eye because, you know, Green Bay and San Francisco this weekend, meatloaf is a good thing for Green Bay. You need some hearty, hearty yes. meatloaf to yeah, be on yeah. the for field the negative, at Lambeau this weekend. For the negative yes. 10 weather. Let's just start there. Uh-huh. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo has never played in cold weather, so we can't say he's going to be bad. We don't know anything about it, but it does feel like with a bad thumb and a bad shoulder, having a grip in the cold, feeling things maybe a little bit harder when you get hit in the cold. Do you think it's going to be a factor? Yeah, I mean, I, everybody we've talked to all week, we're soft. I'll admit it right now. I, I've, <laughs> I've lived in the Midwest, and my blood is thin, and it doesn't matter if it's Northern California, Southern California, it's 65 out right now. Mm. And then we're flying to Green Bay, and it's going to be, like you said, the weather the way that it's going to be. Jimmy did play in Eastern Illinois. He said he's played in you know those things in college. He is from the Chicago area, so he's done it. But he hasn't done it for a while, and as you said, he hasn't played in anything below 40, below, uh, 40 degrees. Even though I was out, he was on the Patriots, he watched that stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's absolutely going to be a factor, and guys are going to be huddled around the, uh, the, uh, the heaters and everything else. It's, it's not fun. We're talking to John Lund from KMBR in San Francisco. So, John, if I took a shot every time this week I heard somebody tell me that this is a bad matchup for the Packers, I'd need even more rehab. You buying it? I mean, they said the same thing about the about the Cowboys last week. Like, at this point, you're playing good playoff teams, and they've seen Aaron Rodgers a lot over the years, and a lot's been made here. 2013, they beat him. That's a long time ago. They played earlier this year, was here. You know, look, I was September 26th. There's a ton of differences between who's playing and who's not, who's playing well and who's not. So, no, I, I, I don't buy that. I mean, it's, it's going to come down to the same thing. These are two coaches who actually want to do the same thing. They have Aaron Rodgers, but these are, these are Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, out the tree kind of guys. They want to run the ball, throw the football. And, and so, no, I, I think at this point you're playing good teams, and, and I think that stuff's overblown. What do we expect to see in terms of defense and the approach to Rodgers? We know Rodgers just two and five in the last five seasons. If he sees zone coverage on at least two thirds of his dropbacks, 49ers play zone coverage at the third highest rate in the NFL. That's including the playoffs so far. Do you think that this is going to be a battle of Shanahan scheming his way into getting to as many of Rodgers faults? And that's really the only way to, to, to get them past a future Hall of Famer? Well, the thing is, is that two years ago when these two teams met in the playoffs, it was it was the defensive line that won the game and running the ball. They don't have Raheem Mostert. They ran for 220 yards in that game. Mostert did four touchdowns. But they got to Aaron Rodgers, and I think everybody will say the same thing. It's not so much how many times you get to him because he gets rid of the ball quickly, but can you throw the timing off? Can you cover Devontae Adams? In that game in week three here, Devontae had 12 for 132 and a touchdown, and we felt here that that was pretty good because the 49ers up until 37 seconds were left on the clock actually had the game won. So they just want to keep him off balance a little bit, do a decent job on Devontae Adams. They could be missing one of their corners, which is going to be a problem. They've dealt with that all season long, ever since they lost Jason Brett in week number one. They've got Emmanuel Mosley on one side. But uh, Ambry Thomas, who's actually come alive over the last couple of weeks, a rookie out of Michigan, could be the one guy that misses this game. Bosa's going to be back. They look pretty healthy. You talked about Garoppolo, which is going to be an issue. But Ambry Thomas, one of their corners, could be out. And so there's Aaron Rodgers targeting guys, targeting Mm. backups, which is a major issue. You mentioned Garoppolo. What's the latest on the injury, and what's the backup plan if he struggles? (laughs) That's that's the question of the week. You know, he's saying that it affects every throw, and and Kyle Shanahan's trying to downplay it and say it doesn't. The reality of the situation is the thumb is bad. I would say that the thumb is worse than the shoulder. And then, look, you talk to enough guys – it's different than, than, you know, past years, but still they're going to target the thumb. It's a major issue. The interception he threw last week, there's no doubt in my mind, was an issue because of the thumb. 
He had an issue with the thumb in the Tennessee game, made a really bad throw to start the downhill after they dominated the first half against Tennessee. It has affected him in every single game, the Rams game at the end of the season that they came back and won. He has thrown at least one. What the? What was that? Kind of an interception <laughs> in every single game because of the thumb. So to me, I don't know how bad the shoulder is, but it's not going to help. But I know that they have heated coils in Green Bay. That's not going to help me either. But Jimmy getting hit on a, on a field in that kind of temperature is an issue. And you hit it right on the head. Trey Lance is it. Third overall pick in the draft. Hasn't played a lot this year. Beat Houston. Lost to Arizona. That's his only two starts. And he could get pressed into action. And I think that's one of the under-discussed topics all week long. Yeah, we know they got to take care of the ball. Packers 11-0 and when getting at least one takeaway this season. Jimmy's usually good for at least one, so so you got to be careful. We got about a minute and a half left. Want to want to ask you about something that hasn't been talked about a lot. And KNBR's John Lund is with us. We're talking a lot about the San Francisco run game, but the Packers have rushed for 100 plus yards in four mm-hmm. of their last five games, averaging 4.7 yards per carry in that span. So far, the runs defense for the Niners in the last couple games would be absolutely stout enough to keep up with them. What's got to give there, and how do you expect they take on that tough uh, uh, combo of Jones and Dillon? Uh, Since the Week 3 matchup, one of the main things they did, they lost Javon Kinlaw, who was a former first-round pick a couple years ago, and they they put Eric Armstead inside. He and DJ Jones have absolutely shut down the the run game of other teams. In that Week 3 matchup, the Packers had 25 for 100, and Aaron Jones had 82. I'd be shocked if they were able to get to that number. Whether it was the Rams, the Cowboys, whomever they have played over the last half of the season, they just haven't been able to run the ball. So I'm very confident because they've got depth there as well. It's none of the starters, but they probably have the deepest defensive line of the league. They'll run 10 deep on that thing. And so uh, I know the Packers want to run it, and people don't believe that, but uh, they want to run. But I think the 49ers will shut down that part of their offense. John, we appreciate your time and your insight, man. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Good luck this weekend. Try to stay warm. Try not yeah. to freeze out. That's all we're asking. <laughs> Hand warmers yes, and gloves, man. I am not for this. <laughs> you got it. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Oh, you're not wrong about the heated gloves thing. Like, I learned yeah. that from Harry Douglas. He's got, like, the heated, like, you plug them into USB, and then you can just go out Ooh. with them. Oh, yeah. I like, don't have I'm those. Totally... I just go the old school, like, go to Walgreens, get the hand warmers that you shake. I shove them in the glove, shove them in the ba- pants pockets, all that stuff. Yeah, no, he's got, like, the whole fancy pants thing, but I found him on Amazon. Not as expensive as I thought, so guess who owns a pair of heated gloves now? Nice. You never know when you're going to need them. All right, coming up, are we a little too high on the Rams? We'll figure that out next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. I think one of the best parts of what we're looking at this weekend across the football landscape is that so many of these games – are so difficult to predict. And while it all comes down to matchups, the question is which of those matchups will actually create an advantage? We're going to get some expertise on it. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and we're going to head straight over to get some insight on all things Rams from our buddy Travis Rogers. You can hear him on ESPN LA 710. Travis, thanks so much for the time. We talked a lot about this matchup and the Rams trying to take on the Buccaneers with maybe a depleted offensive line. How confident is LA going into this matchup? Well, I think they're incredibly confident, Fitzy. I think that they're in a really good spot. I know that they had a, a terrible second half and an even terribler, if that's a word, <laughs> final 90 seconds against uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. But Rams have played really, really well for the better part of about five or six weeks. And that continued on Monday night against the Cardinals. 
Uh, Matthew Stafford has played really well. Um, the, Sean McVay has got all of his weapons at his disposal. Like you mentioned, the offensive line is a little bit up in the air with Andrew Whitworth not going to play, but his backup, Joe Nopeloom, has played a lot this year. He's played up and down the line. He's familiar with that position. So, yeah, I, I think the Rams really like the matchup. It, it, as weird as it says it, or it sounds to say about a game against Tom Brady, I, I think the Rams like where they are right now. We spent a lot of time talking about the health of the Bucks, particularly their O-line. How healthy are the Rams coming in? Well, I, I think, you know, Sarah, what you're talking about with the, the Bucks O-line, that's good news for the Rams because where the, the Rams are particularly good, and this is something that, you know, the three of us have talked about a million times, Aaron Donald, right? That, that if your offensive line is not at its absolute best and Aaron Donald's walking into town, that's bad news for you. So I, I think that's very good news. Um, for the Rams. The, the Rams are about as healthy as you could hope for, I think, at this point of the year, with the exception of the, the secondary in, in the back half. You know, Eric Weddle hadn't played football in two years. They pulled him off his couch, and mm-hmm. he survived. I, I don't know how, but he did. Uh, Taylor Rapp's going to miss another game. Uh, Jordan Fuller's down uh, for, for the rest of the postseason probably as well. So, you know, this is late January football. I think everybody's got some problems to deal with. But generally speaking, you've got quarterbacks, you've got your weapons, you've got most of your offensive line. I think the Rams like where they are health-wise too. Well, Travis, you mentioned Eric Weddle, and this is sort of what we talked about earlier. The, the Bucks like to push the ball down the field, and it feels like if they can push the ball down the field, there might be opportunities, but that would require keeping Brady upright. Can they keep mm-hmm. – like, in that situation, does it actually play out where the Bucks can make anything happen? Well, it's funny because I think what's <laughs> – if they can do what they did to him in week three, right? They sacked him three times in week three. Aaron Donald got one. Leonard Floyd got one. Both of those guys are going to show up on Sunday afternoon. The Kenny Young got the third one. He's no longer with the team. But the reason Kenny Young's not with the team is because Vaughn Miller is. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good problem to have those three guys coming at you. Um, if they can get some pressure, if they can move him, I, I don't know if they're going to sack him a bunch of times. I don't think Tom Brady's going to let you sack him a bunch of times. But don't give him that time to find, okay, there's Eric Weddle. He just got off the couch a minute ago. I, I can exploit that uh, mismatch. I think they're going to be pretty good. Now, if they can find a way to block up Donald and Miller and those guys and give him the two, two and a half seconds that he needs, not so good news for the Rams. Because it's, as great as Eric Weddle was a week ago, and it wasn't like he had a bunch of tackles or interceptions, things like that, but he lets Jalen Ramsey freelance a little bit, something that Taylor Rapp really wasn't able to do. They did Rapp uh, and Ramsey didn't kind of jive quite like that, but Weddle and Ramsey do. I think that that's going to give them an opportunity, the Bucks be, I mean, to kind of take advantage of that. But if there's no time, I don't care who's back there. You and I could be covering guys back there. If Aaron Donald's in your face in half a second, it doesn't matter. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz looking ahead to a big game for the Rams and the Bucks. Talking to Travis Rogers, ESPN LA 710. Travis, I don't want to put this out into the universe and spoil anything, but I get a little concerned when a fan base and representatives for a team are this optimistic against Tom Brady, a guy who is 14-2 in divisional round matchups. What could go wrong for the Rams that would cause them to lose this game? Interceptions, and by the way, Spain, I you're you're right. I, I saw that number. Two <laughs> I don't want to like, be mean. It's just a lot of positivity. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to ignore that. I'm just I'm going to whistle past the graveyard on that one. I'm not going to I'm not going to not going to think too much about that because you're absolutely right. Um, look, I I was looking at something earlier today. The Rams lost five games this year, and those five games, Matthew Stafford threw ten picks. Mm-hmm. In, in the games that they won, he only threw they, the twelve games that they won. He threw eight. 
Okay, so that if he throws one interception on Sunday, I think the Rams, or less, I think the Rams have a really good chance. If it's more than that, I think they're in deep, deep trouble. This comes back to what you are saying a second ago. Tom Brady, if you give him an extra chance or two, he's going to beat you. If they play it straight up, if the Rams don't turn the ball over, I'll give them one. I think they got a really good chance. But, you know, when, when he threw three interceptions against Minnesota, that was Kirk Cousins. You can survive that maybe, and they did. You throw a couple interceptions against the Ravens and Lamar Jackson's not playing the way he wasn't when they played, you can survive that, and they did. You do that to Tom Brady, and it's a wrap. It's over. You, you just you cannot throw interceptions, and I think that's the biggest thing for the Rams. And if that happens, I don't think they can win the game. If they don't win the game, the level of, oh, my God, becomes? Uh, it's already here. I mean, it's <laughs> because they didn't, they didn't do what they did during the offseason to beat Arizona in the wild card round. They, they didn't do what they did in the offseason to win 12 games and beat Jacksonville and New York and Houston the way that they did. They were doing that kind of stuff with Jared Goff, right? They, they got to the divisional round of the playoffs last year with Jared Goff with pins in his thumb. You know, they, they got Matthew Stafford for Sunday. They got Matthew Stafford for what happens after Sunday, whether that's in Green Bay or back in L.A. against San Francisco. That's why he's here. It, they were getting to this spot without him. They gave away two first-round draft picks to go win this game. So if it doesn't happen, it's a big deal. I mean, it is a very big deal because they don't have picks to fix it. They, they're kind of locked into what they are. I think you kind of run it back and maybe make some tweaks around the edges. But, yeah, if this doesn't work, I mean, this is – this is the scariest part about going all in. We all love it as fans when it happens. Like, hey, yeah, give me Jalen Ramsey and give me Von Miller and give me Matthew Stafford. And it's cool right up until it doesn't work. And then there's nothing, there's no other moves. So you got to go back to square one. So, yeah, there, there's a ton going on on Sunday if it doesn't work. And all you have to do is get through Tom Brady. Defending champions. Travis, thanks so much <laughs> for the time. Enjoy the weekend and the game. Yeah, you too, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Travis Rogers, ESPN LA 710 with us here on Spain and Fitz. Getting you in the zone. Getting the zones brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. I don't want to rain on anyone's parade, Fitz. I just get a little nervous. I get a little nervous when anyone's too enthusiastic and optimistic around the GOAT. We've learned our lesson enough times. Uh, is, is Brady, like, actually liked now? That's a real question. Like, has the, the cycle turned now that he's been, like, fun Brady, party Brady? Like, I are people rooting for Brady talking in this to. One? Oh, I don't I, think so. I, I just, I, no. I don't think so. I don't I, think so. I don't think anyone's rooting for him. I think you still have Not to fear him, though. A uh, lot of takes <laughs> coming into the weekend. We're going to go oppo of our usual. Instead of reacting to the games with a little good take, hot take, we're going to preview them and tell you what people are saying ahead of the weekend. It's next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Oh, it's a big weekend of football, which means the takes, T-A-E-K-S, are coming in hot. Coming in fast and hot. Everyone's got a take. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. I can't believe we haven't said it yet. Happy Friday! Now let's get got, to some good take, hot take. I got takes. Time to cut through the BS and rate the best takes of the day. Are they good takes? He would be the best quarterback in the history of New York to land here. Or hot takes? Hot takes. Give him the damn ball and let him decide. But that's not the Green Bay way. Find out now on Spain and Fitz. That's right. We're going to go through some of the fellow bloviating gas bags at our fine company and elsewhere, and we're going to tell you whether what they said about this weekend's matchups are good takes or hot takes. Let's start with our guy, Lewis Riddick, on KJM this morning, talking about Derrick Henry making his return for the Titans. 
Just the fact that he's going to be out there, number one, you're right, is a miracle. Number two, his presence. Let's just assume that his conditioning and the pain level that he is in at this point in time, which I have no idea what it is, let's just say that it's up to par to where he could carry the ball 10, 15 times. Right? When him, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones were on the field together, which was something like 65 snaps or something like that this year, something ridiculously low, they averaged over just around seven yards per play, which would have been number one in the NFL. So you see what kind of impact he has on the run game, obviously, but the pass game also because the play-action passing game looks just absolutely ridiculous with him on the field because every single team is going to run eight-man fronts. You know it. You're, you'd be foolish if you don't. And A.J. and Julio are just going to feast off of one-on-ones in that way. Fitz, good, ba- good take or bad take? That's a good take. Uh, that's a good take, and it's a good breakdown of exactly what the Titans are hoping to accomplish. Like I feel like both offenses – can have the ability to score a lot of points. They're just going to do it really differently. And what's going to be interesting is whether or not Derrick Henry carries the ball a bunch or just a little, his impact is going to be out there. Even if he's just a decoy, you're going to have to respect it. So I think it's a great take. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a good take. And I think it's a good take regardless of whether he's effective in the traditional way where he racks up a lot of yards and you see it, or whether, like you said, he causes the Bengals to load the box to try to stop them and it costs them on the back end and they struggle uh, with some of the deep routes. You know, they they focus so much on him that they forget some of the other weapons. So I think him returning, and as long as it isn't a liability where he physically can't take advantage of holes made by the offensive line or slows them down in any way, he is going to have a big impact on this game just by being out there. That's a good take from Lewis Riddick. Let's move on to Ryan Clark. We've been talking a lot about this potential upset brewing as people say the Niners are a tough matchup for the Packers. Ryan Clark on that. I think it's the Green Bay Packers. Really? It's not about the road being tough. It's about the opponent mm. that you'll be facing. You go back to early on in this year, it took a great heave and an excellent catch by Devontae Adams for the Green Bay Packers to get the field goal and beat the San Francisco 49ers two years ago in the NFC Championship. The 49ers rushed for 300 yards, and that team is built much like that team from that year. They can run the football physically, offensively. Debo Samuel might be the best running back in this game, and he's a goddamn wide receiver. And also, defense they can rush the passer with four and D'Amico Ryans does an excellent job of mixing in the blitz and the zone but also showing folk pressure and dropping in the zone making you guess or figure out what the defense is on the run or after the snap and so I think this team is uniquely built to beat a team like the Green Bay Packers who struggle against the run sometimes defensively and also don't always or aren't always as healthy offensively as they need to be on the line to protect Aaron Rodgers. Fitz, I think this is a great answer. I'm not giving away what my pick is in this game, but I think everything he said is accurate. Stopping Debo Samuel has been insanely impossible for almost every team. And this is a Packers team that, to your point earlier, might have had success against the Niners specifically, but overall they've allowed the third most yards per rush this season. This is a team that matches up poorly in terms of strengths and weaknesses. They have not been great against the run. The Niners are a great run team. Uh, We know that Aaron Rodgers is extremely effective, has the best QBR in the league when he's not pressured, drops all the way to 26th with pressure, and the stunts that the Niners have on that defensive front, we saw them absolutely kill last week. You had no idea what was coming. You were constantly guessing, and to set Aaron Rodgers off, make him uncomfortable, is a huge part of beating the Packers. So, And I mentioned... Packers have had a really strong run game, but the Niners have been extremely effective. They've allowed fewer than 100 yards on the ground in eight of their last games. 
or eight of their last nine games. So you've got a strength for the Packers that the Niners can butt up against with their own strength. And then on the other hand, the Niners' strengths are not really something that the Packers are well-equipped to deal with. You and Ryan have both given us very good takes. I take nothing away from that. I think, however, the 49ers being the best upset chance is a hot take because for everything you just said that, that is so spot on, you got Jimmy G, and we have no idea what version of Jimmy G we're going to get. That's the part of this. Like, if we've got an injured Jimmy G, and we're not sure exactly how he's going to feel, and he's going to be in negative 10 degrees, man, I don't love those odds for, for the 49ers. As much as everything you just said is so right, at some point, I'm presuming that Jimmy G is going to have to throw the football, and when he does, I have no idea what that's going to look like. So I do believe that there are some matchup issues here, but I'm not sure that I give this like the best upset chance simply because I don't know what Jimmy G is going to look like once he's asked to actually do anything in this game. And if Trey Lance has to come in, then we're just we're just throwing spaghetti against a wall to see what sticks at that point. None of us know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, the reasoning for me is 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 why I think I, uh, not necessarily the result of the reasoning. That's why I think it's a good take. But uh, hey, good. your point is taken. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, doing a little good take, hot take ahead of the divisional round NFL games. Let's get to Damian Woody on Canty and Golick Jr. talking about Josh Allen. I'm with him. I, I'm. I agree. I agree. I mean, there you go, big fella. Stick, got to stick together. I, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a, you know, I'm, a, I'm riding with you, Chris. Listen, man, this this is what I've been telling people, man, because people like, oh, man, Patrick Mahomes. And and it's not, you know, I'm not disparaging Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, is, is everyone knows how special he is. But I just tell people this. The man is coming off a game where he had seven straight scoring drives of a touchdown. Not one punt. Not one turnover downs. Can you think of the last time that has happened? It's almost like a, that's a perfect game. Okay, so we'll combine that take, which is Woody saying he agrees with Canty that Josh Allen is the best quarterback left right now with Harry Rodgers on Greeny, who seems to be taking Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Harry Douglas, who's taking Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> if there's one quarterback I wish I would have played with in my career, you want to know who that one guy is? I'm guessing Aaron. Aaron Rodgers, and it's no <laughs> knock on the guys that I played with because Matt Ryan was tremendous. Uh, Mariota was tremendous. I played with those guys. But I'm just saying, like, if I had an opportunity, hey, Harry, who do you want to play with one year? I'm choosing Aaron Rodgers over everybody. All right. Remember, there's a couple other quarterbacks out there, Ryan Tannehill, and I don't know, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. What's your thought on these takes? I mean, these are the hottest of hot of hot takes. Like, and these are two guys that I love. Like, but my God, I want to know what they were sipping on this morning before the game. Because, like, yes, you're right. You you might want to play with Aaron Rodgers because that'd be fun. And you might look at Josh Allen and say, "Oh my God, he threw nearly a perfect game." But you want to tell me that if you walked in and suddenly it was fantasy football and you could pick any quarterback left in all of the playoffs to play one game with, that it's not like I'm saying that Rodgers and Josh Allen. Either of those are at best going to be third because Mahomes and Tom Brady are going to take the two slots if you got one game and you can only pick one quarterback. Yeah, it's hard because when we have these conversations, we're sort of in a bubble devoid of context. Do you get their whole team with them? Are you using the offensive line that might be struggling for Brady? You know, I think if you're separating them out, I don't know how you possibly pick against Tom Brady. And I'm someone who in the past has argued for Aaron Rodgers' skill and then Tom Brady's accomplishments. But look at the numbers Brady put up this year and look at his effectiveness in the biggest games. Man, it's wild, wild, wild how people are just forgetting. They're somehow sleeping on Tom Brady, despite him being the defending champ. All right, do we have time for this last Derek Brooks sound here? 
Maybe, let's go you for it. You guys let me know. Okay, thanks for letting me know. Derek Brooks was talking about the Bucks O-line. He said it was a real concern. That's the summation of it. Fitz, do you agree with the Hall of Famer? Yeah, that's a good take. I mean, I think we all know at this point that it is a real concern, and it's going to be concerning, especially considering when you look at the number of snaps they took together, this offensive line for the Bucks took more snaps together than any offensive line left in the playoffs. So now they're going to be suddenly shifted around. I think that has a huge impact to this game. It's everything to that game. Yeah, it's a great take. It's not original. It's not something that he's the only one saying. That's not his fault. We're all saying it because it is all evident. We already know that the best way to beat Tom Brady is with pressure, to make him uncomfortable. He's not a mobile quarterback. One of the few things you could do to him is get in the way of where he wants to throw the ball. And that can be done with an offensive line that is weakened by injury where some of his best guys are unable to go. Now, right now, we've seen Wirfs and Jensen get back to practice. The question is, what percentage will they be if they are healthy enough to go? And how will that fare against a really strong Rams defensive front with the best pass rusher in the game? It is a huge part of the matchup and it's I think part of the reason so many people are so optimistic about the Rams despite the fact they're taking on Tom Brady remember Tom Brady Bill Barnwell is going to join us to break down all the games coming up next Spain and Fitz Spain and Fitz the podcast joining us now ESPN senior writer Bill Barnwell hosted the Bill Barnwell podcast to break down all things NFL ahead of this divisional round weekend Bill, I want to start with something interesting. I was uh, doing around the horn today, and my producer had asked if I'd heard the stat about the Titans being not just the worst first seed in DVOA football outsiders tracking history, but would be the worst second seed. And I said to him, yeah, yeah, I've heard the stat, and I know that. The only problem was, if I remember correctly, the highest-ranked team, according to that statistic this season, was the Cowboys and they ain't in it anymore. So I'm not saying it's a bad stat, but maybe not the most uh, effective for bearing out who will succeed. How much are you taking that storyline, that narrative that you were pushing um, into your prediction on this matchup this weekend for the Titans? I think it plays into account. I mean, I think the Tennessee team is, you know, good. They're not a bad team by any means, but we can think of a few games that maybe slightly differently we're thinking about Tennessee being a three or four seed if Josh Allen – uh, doesn't slip on the one-yard line in that game. He did. That matters. It still counts. W is a W. But this is a team that's had some ugly losses here to some bad football teams. And that has to factor in. Oh, off the Jets. They lost to the Texans. I mean, those are bad teams. Great teams typically don't lose to those kind of teams. But I think what factors in for me is that, you know, this is the healthiest I think they've been all year. Bud Dupree, their star free agent signing, was out for in and out for most of the year. Derrick Henry missed the second half of the season. Julio Jones has been hurt. A.J. Brown's been hurt. All those guys are back now. So to me, I think the numbers tell me something about Tennessee, but I don't know if the team we saw during the regular season accurately reflects the team that we're going to see now in the postseason. We're talking to Bill Barnwell, ESPN senior writer. I have a follow-up question there, Bill. But before we get to it, why'd you have to pick my Raiders? Like, everything went fine, and then you picked the Raiders to beat the Bengals. That's got to be the reason, right? That's, <laughs> wow. that's, the, that, that's it, right? I, I want to point out that I believe in my column I did not pick the Raiders to win that game. I thought it'd be close, and it was. came down <laughs> to the final series. But yeah. uh, I, I think you have to give the Raiders some credit, right? I mean, this is a team that, you know, the Chargers game, not only did they win the Chargers game, but they played the Bengals tough. I mean, they could have easily quit in that game. They came back. They came within a drive of tying up that game and going to overtime. I think if you're Rich Passaccia, whether you get this job or not, I think you can feel good about what you did at the end of that season. 
All right, that that makes me feel a little bit better, Bill. So when you look <laughs> at a team like the the Tennessee Titans that you just alluded to, maybe DVOA doesn't show some of the greatness. Do you attribute their sure. ability to win to chance, or is it great coaching? Like, what is it that's been able to get them still to the number one seat? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I think great coaching, certainly great game management. I think Mike Rabel typically very good at sort of, you know, squeezing the last bit out of games and extending things. And I think having Derrick Henry helped early in the season. I mean, you know, having a guy who you can trust to shut down games, to pick up those yards in the fourth quarter, pick up the yards in overtime, get that first down you need to win the game is so valuable when it is a close game. And I think during the second half of the year when they had those injuries, schedule was pretty easy. It was a very, you know, front-weighted schedule for Tennessee. So I think it's not one thing, but all those factors come into play. And I think you know, this is a year where kind of the, the best teams in the AFC were down. The Bills, very good early in the year, struggled later on. The Chiefs, struggling early in the year, better later on. There wasn't a dominant team really in the AFC this year, but I think Tennessee belongs in that discussion with those other teams. Bill Barnwell's with us. You can listen to the Bill Barnwell podcast and read him on ESPN.com. I think it's been since last year's Super Bowl that I last heard a team and a lot of media folks be as excited about a team against Tom Brady, and that didn't go very well for the Chiefs. So what do you make of all of the hype around the Rams and how confident people are that they're going to beat the Bucks? I mean, I, I picked the Rams to make the Super Bowl before the season, so I'm priced in now. I'm locked in. I can't make a change. I'm scared. I'm scared about being on the Rams side here. Like, it's just, you know, losing Andrew Whitworth, their left tackle, who is, I mean, by NFL standard agent, I think he's 41, but a guy who's incredible. He's a Hall of Fame player that we don't talk about. Missing him for this game is so, so important for the Rams, and they are really going to suffer without him. And I think with Matthew Stafford, like, we saw how hot he was in that game last week. We saw how hot he was for a stretch against the Niners in Week 18, and then he threw two interceptions, and the game changed. And for me, I think for the Rams, my concern is always, you know, not not do they have the talent, because they have the talent, but just can they go four quarters without making a mistake? And, I mean, we have a pretty strong body of evidence that Tom Brady will lean on you for four quarters, and eventually you're going to crack and make a mistake before he does. We're talking to Bill Barnwell, ESPN senior writer, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So uh, let's take a look that obviously the other game everybody seems to want to be picking an upset in is the 49ers over the Packers. How do you factor in whatever the health is for Jimmy G when you try and analyze this game? It's tough, right? I mean, we saw Jimmy Garoppolo play pretty well for most of that game. And then fourth quarter, I mean, I, I don't know what Jimmy Garoppolo was thinking with that pass. I I don't think that's a, a finger injury. for that. That's a, a just a bad decision. We I mean, know Jimmy Garoppolo is capable of making those bad decisions, and I think um, Niners always had the Packers tough. I mean, we've seen them beat the Packers a couple times two years ago, including dominant wins uh, 2019-20 in the postseason as well. Um, they played them tough this year. If it wasn't for some poor game management, I think they win that game earlier this year, but they left Aaron Rodgers just enough time on the clock. I, I think you know Garoppolo is, is one factor here, but the concern for me if I'm taking the Niners is just, how many players are the Packers getting back and how many superstars? I mean, Derek Bakhtiari just came back in week 18. He's going to play here. Darius Smith is coming back. Whitney Merciless might be coming back. Um, I mean, it's just scary. I think this team was so good during the regular season, and now they're getting all these pieces back for the postseason, and they just got a week off to you know have a bye and refresh their body. It feels like it's going to be a much tougher matchup for the Niners and the Cowboys were a week ago. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz talking to Bill Barnwell about the weekend's games. We saved the best for last, just like the schedule. Mm -hmm. Bills, Chiefs. 
How do you even go about trying to predict this game when you've got two quarterbacks who played as well as they did last week? Yeah, I mean, I think it's totally fair to, to say that this could just be a crazy shootout where the defenses aren't going to matter, and it's just whoever gets the ball last win. I mean, obviously, we all hope that's the case. We hope for some crazy, you know, 54-51 game like the Chiefs-Rams game from a few years ago. But, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes did struggle early in that game. We saw the Chiefs not play all that well. They had that fumble for a touchdown. I mean, they were playing sloppy football early in that game, and then suddenly – they flipped the switch and scored six straight touchdowns and the Steelers might as well have not even shown up. The Bills, you know, it felt even more dominant. Like they were so good from the jump. I, I, you know, I think to me, this game comes down to just who makes that mistake. And it's like the oldest cliche in the book. It's the easiest analysis. I feel really like, you know, like I'm not doing my job by giving it, but it just feels like these offenses are capable of so much that, it's hard to count them out or stop them for an entire game. I, I just don't see how this ends up being like a 14-10 game. Put it that way. So, Bill, who's the best team left? The best team left? And I realize that I'm jinxing them by saying this. So, please don't hold this against me. Fans of the Buffalo Bills. Because the Buffalo Bills, Ooh. I think, have the best feeling, the highest feeling on both sides of the football. I mean, we've seen how good their defense has been. They did a great job against Mac Jones last week. And we've seen how dominant that offense can be. I think, to me, as good as other teams are, the Packers, I think, have a very fair case. The Chiefs have a fair case. Tennessee is a fair case. And I just think the Bills had the opportunity to be the best offense left and the best defense left. And I don't think you can say that really about any other team out of these final eight. ESPN senior writer and host of the Bill Barnwell Show, Bill Barnwell, with us on Spain and Fitz. Okay, before we let you go, I want your picks for the weekend, but I do not want you to feel beholden to anything you said preseason last week, five minutes ago on another show or podcast. I want you to tell us what you're actually thinking is going to happen in the four games this weekend. Okay. So I'm saying Tennessee. The Bengals played them tough, but I think Tennessee wins. I think Chiefs, even though just the Bills are the best team, I think that having home field advantage is the slightest difference there that gives the Chiefs a victory, even though I think the Bills are the better team. In the NFC, I will say Packers. I feel pretty comfortable with that, and I understand they have a case that I think Packers. And then, oh, boy. I I will say Rams. I will say Rams. I will say Rams. I don't want to have to root against Tom Brady. I care about you. But, But the Bucks are banged up. So many injuries on both sides of the football. When you saw in that game, like they blitzed the Eagles early, they had nothing going on offense after that. Like they really struggled on offense for a good chunk of that game. And I think the Rams have the pieces to give Tom Brady trouble. So mm. after picking up that, I think I'll go Rams. Awesome stuff, Bill. As always, we look forward to talking to you about it all next week. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the time, Bill. Thanks, friends. Anytime. Bill Barnwell, go listen to everything he says. Go read everything he writes. This guy knows it better than anybody. He always brings the good stuff. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you could save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Coming up, you've waited for this moment. You're waiting to place your bets to find out what we think. It's our picks next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Tune in tomorrow. College basketball action. Duke 
host Syracuse. Coverage begins at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. For any of you guys that are big college basketball fans, don't forget, on all your social devices, you can check out Countdown to Game Day with me and Christine Williamson getting everybody ready every week for 30 minutes before game day starts. So uh, 10 to 10.30 a.m., I think, is the time of that. Well, you know, it's good that I know the times of my own shows. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. What I do know is that it's time. We've waited all week. We've waited, you know, the the fans have waited restlessly to try and figure out because let's face it, Sarah's really good at picks and I'm really good at riding her coattails. That's so right. it's Six time for us to weekend, finally baby. Uh, <laughs> let's get some some action going on the games. We'll start. We'll do them in the order that everybody's going to watch them. So let's start with the Bengals taking on the Titans. This is what Mina Kimes had to say about how she thinks the Titans can take advantage of Cincinnati. The Bengals, who have struggled to defend play action all year, don't really have an answer for her. So while I, I would love to see the King out there and his ability to generate yards after contact in the fourth quarter is unparalleled, I also think that the Titans can beat Cincinnati on offense through the air. Yeah, that's about Derrick Henry and Mina Kimes echoing what I've heard a lot of folks say, which is that, of course, Derrick Henry will have an impact just by being out there. And the very presence of Henry will cause the Bengals to play differently and be more concerned about the run. But they don't need him to go off because of their ability to score using the weapons that they have. Tannehill, over the end of this season, the last three weeks of the regular season, third best QBR in the NFL, seven touchdown passes, no interceptions. He's got seven rushing touchdowns on the season, second only to Jalen Hurts. And they have been fantastic with the play action with the Bengals' struggle to defend. I think Derrick Henry coming back is effective and helpful, but this is a Titans team that could win without him, and I do think they're going to get so much pressure on Joe Burrow that the magic of Burrow to Jamar Chase just won't quite be good enough to beat a better Titans team. I've got the Titans. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said in analysis. I think this game comes down to mistakes, and what's going to be really interesting to see is the two quarterbacks that have played so efficiently have had to play so efficiently because of everything that they're up against for both sides and trying to get points scored. So two two offenses that can go off. But in my mind, the question is going to be which quarterback makes the most mistakes. I think that Titans defensive line is going to be able to force Joe Burrow to get rid of the ball a little bit faster than he wants. They're going to be able to force him to be uncomfortable. And unlike the Raiders last week, the Titans can take advantage of that. Plus, they are in Nashville, I believe, strongly in home field advantage at the beginning of football games Derrick Henry coming back is going to be a big mm -hmm. deal for them for that pop I think the Titans win a very close very hotly contested game yeah I, for me my money I think this is actually going to be the best game of the weekend but I think the Titans pull out the win so there's by your, the way worth noting too. number one seeds 16 and four in the divisional round the last 10 years so while we've kind of been sleeping on the Titans I think we uh we do need to remind ourselves not only that they're a number one seed but they're four and oh against the teams that they played that are still in this postseason they beat good teams even though they lose to some bad ones yeah and Rabel is going to continue to get more shine for coaches coach of the year uh, in general as that conversation happens all right the next matchup will be Saturday night the 49ers at the Packers, this is the one everybody keeps looking at and saying, oh, I don't like the matchup. I don't like the matchup. Sarah Spain, do you like the matchup? 
I don't like the matchup, but that doesn't mean I think that the 49ers will be able to effectively take advantage of the matchup. The, the, the Packers are a better team. The Packers have been consistent for most of the season once things started clicking. And while I do think if the Niners execute perfectly and they get to the QB and they mess with Rodgers' comfortability, they keep the takeaways to none. They, they kill them with the run game, time of possession. They've got the stunts on the defensive line that keep the O-line guessing for the Packers. If all all of that works out absolutely they can win this game but the Green Bay Packers are a really good team that is healthy at the right time if Zadarius Smith and Whitney Merciless are activated they've got five or six pass rushers on the inside on the edges that are incredibly disruptive that can make things super difficult for an already injured Jimmy G who we know makes mistakes when he's put under pressure I think there will be those mistakes that will be the difference and then Aaron Rodgers will remind us while he's probably going to win the MVP for this season with this play I've got the Packers yeah, I, so this is funny because I'm with you on so much of what you just said, and I think the key to all of it is if everything goes right for the 49ers, literally everything goes right, I still don't think it can for Jimmy G. And that's the problem in all of this. Even if they're able to establish the run, even if they're able to try and keep Aaron Rodgers off the field, all it takes is one mistake and you are suddenly behind in all of this. I, I, I think uh, Jimmy G's injury is such a huge part of it and it's unfortunate because he has played particularly well at times this season, but the knock on Jimmy G has never been his ability to play. The knock on Jimmy Garoppolo has been, can he stay healthy? And this year, he's proven yet again why they drafted Trey Lance because you can't make him consistently available. Unfortunately, in this game, Trey Lance doesn't have any experience for me to be able to bank on and I'm not sure how how you bank on a battered quarterback coming into it. So I think the Packers get a fairly significant win here, even though I love the matchup in some ways, just because at the end of the day, I don't trust Jimmy G. Let's go to the next one. The Rams at Buccaneers. I think from our conversations, I know where you're leaning on this one, Sarah, but you know, obviously maybe, maybe you're just teasing everybody. Uh, who do you got? Um, I'm sorry. Which one are we doing here? Rams Buccaneers. The timing. That's right, because Chiefs and Bills are last. I was like, wait a minute. Uh, I forgot that we were saving the best for last, both in uh -huh. schedule and in this conversation. Um, man, this one by far was the toughest for me because my brain is telling me the Rams. Cam Akers looked fantastic in his return, plus Sony Michelle. They didn't make it so tough on Stafford. He only had to attempt 17 passes. They uh, have been really good using Cooper Cup. In fact, against Tampa Bay specifically in his last three games, he averages 10 catches for 120 yards and a touchdown. He has been impossible to stop. He's, uh, this is an incredible pass rush that's going to make things tough on an injured. Oh, like I could go down the list of reasons why I should pick the Rams. And then my gut says, don't do it. My gut says Tom Brady, 14 and two in his career in divisional round of playoffs hasn't lost since 2010. Tom Brady has an, uh, a better than 500 record against teams that, uh, saw him earlier in the season when he faces them in the postseason. I just feel like he's going to figure out a way to make it work. I can't pick against him with a Rams team that was so inconsistent up until just the last week. They may be peaking at the right time, but I'm not that hot on the Rams that I could pick against Brady. Oh, see, and this is that moment where I'm watching a horror movie and I'm saying, don't do it. Don't do it. And I'm going to do it. I oh, think there's so no. many problems here with the matchup of the oh. Rams defensive line is going to be able to get after Brady and 
as much as I, I, I think the key is going to be can the Buccaneers shorten their offense essentially to get rid of the ball faster, and they do have some good opportunities there, not only with Mike Evans but also with Gronk. I think Gronk could have a huge game here. So I'm curious how the Rams are going to stop that. But through it all, I just – I am so scared for Tom Brady getting the yips with everything at his feet that's going to come from Aaron Donald having a massive – career day I think the Rams are going to pull out the win because of their defense they're going to be able to limit the ability to push the ball downfield now that it's come out of my mouth I already feel terrible that I said it I don't feel good about it at all let's get Mm -hmm. to the last one Bills Chiefs uh this one to me is all about the Chiefs have been there done that and they're in Arrowhead ups and downs I trust Mahomes I'm taking the Chiefs who do you got in this this one to me is about a game of inches a game of stops and this defense from the Bills is better suited to stop what the Chiefs do than the reverse. They finished the regular season first in total defense, first in pass defense, first in points allowed per game. In fact, from weeks 8 through 18 of the regular season, they allowed a league low 16-1 points per game. They know how to stop Mahomes, take away the things he wanted wants to do. And on the other side, I do not think the Chiefs defense will have the answers for the Josh Allen that we saw last week. If the Bills play the way we saw last week, if they come with their strength, I think they actually upend the power order in the AFC and win this game. Oh, look at that. I don't know, man. I I just patience matters so much to me, and I trust Mahomes to be patient in this huge game. I trust you to check out Freddie and Fitzsimmons next. Ed Orgeron joining the show, for real. Like, that's actually happening. Have a great weekend. Enjoy it. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.